0: Hello and welcome back to the Tough Take Podcast. I'm
1: Zach Green. And I'm Luca DeLosta. In today's episode, we will give our predictions on two very good NFL games this week, sit down and have an interview with Jake Bunner, and then we'll go a little bit of a weird way and have a little argument over the Bengals and Ravens who play Sunday night this week. Let's get right into it. All right, so let's start off with some NFL games this weekend. Two of them,
0: very good. A lot of them are great games. Some will be lower scoring, but still good games. So let's
1: start it off. And why don't we start it off with, I believe it is the game of the week, the Cowboys and the Rams. The Rams coming off an interesting loss. Didn't look at all like the Super Bowl champions against the 49ers. And the Cowboys, they've done really well with Cooper Rush so far this season and I like how you brought up Cooper Rush
0: because he's playing great and this is really helping the Cowboys because Dak Prescott doesn't really have much pressure to get back of course he probably wants to play but if they're winning and they're 3-0 with Cooper Rush right now why not let Dak Prescott get fully 100% before they rush him back and then moving on to the Rams side Matthew Stafford just isn't playing that well when you look at the stats they're okay but when you look at on the field,
1: the decisions he's making, it's just not... He's looking nothing like he did last year. Exactly. I mean, I believe he had six interceptions through four weeks of the NFL, which is horrendous. That's I, I think he might even lead the league in interceptions. And Cooper Cup, though, is still getting it done. I mean, he just set his career-best receptions with 14 in a game last game. But they that 49ers defense really, like... They bottled them up, and it, they had nowhere to go. And like you,
0: and adding on to that, Nick Bosa is just an absolute terrorizer. He, even though if he doesn't, he won't get a sack every play. The pressure he creates, Matthew Stafford just doesn't really have much time in the pocket. And some of that could be with the retirement of Andrew Whitworth, a big leader in that O line. But the Rams just don't really look like they were last year because. I mean, they beat—look at the team a couple weeks ago. They beat the Falcons, but it wasn't by much. And if it wasn't for Marcus Mariota's stupid throw trying to force it into the end zone, they could have lost that game. So, coulda, shoulda, woulda, but the Rams aren't looking so hot right now. And especially in that division, when you have the Seahawks, who are looking good.
1: Juno Smith is the truth right now. I mean, on the Cowboys' side of the ball, their O-line— Despite a few injuries, have stood strong, and Trayvon Diggs this year has been incredible in coverage. If I have to say, it's an upgrade from last year. If you look at his his coverage rates and yards per allowed per game last year to this year so far, I see a huge improvement.
0: And Cooper Cup will be probably his biggest test this whole season.
1: Yeah, but let's kick it down to the Monday night game, a uh, AFC West divisional matchup. The Raiders will be taking on the red-hot Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs just beat the Buccaneers pretty bad,
0: and this is a must game for the Raiders—a must-win game. One, if you go down one and four, and especially a loss to a divisional opponent like the Chiefs, it's the writing's kind of on the wall at that point. This is a winnable game for the Raiders. It's going to be a hard game for them to win. They're going to have to get lucky on some things. They're going to need to limit Travis Kelsey a lot because if you get him going. That just opens the door for players like Marquez Van Le Scantling, Gigi Smith-Schuster down the middle. If you let Patrick Mahomes have a lead on you by, you know, 10 points, it's it's very hard to come back from.
1: And especially since that Raiders secondary isn't strong by any means. However, their front seven are pretty, are pretty strong. I mean, you have Max Crosby, who's an incredible player, adding Chandler Jones as an incredible player. But they're going against a Chiefs offensive line that is very solid. And they need to get Devontae Adams
0: more involved. In the first week, he, he looked great. I think he had like 150, something like that. They need to get him more involved. And Hunter Renfro, when he has more production, they usually do so much more, so much better. He's not getting a lot of end zone targets. And it's just, I feel like the offense is kind of in question right now because they're trying to gel together so many new players. But... The Raiders are just a shaky team.
1: And Hunter Renfro's route-running ability, especially in that red zone, is incredible, but he's been out with a concussion the last two weeks. Getting him back will be good, and keeping the production that Josh Jacobs had last week will be a key factor in this game.
0: All right, now we'd like to welcome Jake Bunner to the podcast. Jake, what's happening? I'm
2: good. How are you guys doing?
0: We're doing good.
1: Yeah. It's football Sunday today, the day we're recording this, so not the best day Ravens lost, but yeah, it's a good day. <laughs> yeah. Like the I think the
2: Browns lost too, so
0: Yeah, Although, they they lost a close one of the to the Falcons.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm kinda watching them on and off. More interested in the uh the guardians and their run to the playoffs here.
0: All right. So let's start off. Can you give a little rundown of who you are and what you do at the Notre Dame college? Yeah. um,
2: uh, I'm Jake. Like you said, you introduced me. Um, I'm the assistant uh, athletic director for sports information at uh, Notre Dame college. And uh, we do a little bit of everything, honestly, uh, at the college. We, update the website uh first and foremost we write write the stories write the recaps and all that stuff but when you're in charge of the website there's just so much more um that goes into that it's it's uh, putting the pictures up the the bios for each player um it's making sure the schedules are up for each team uh or making sure that uh everything's up to date with the statistics for each team um and that's just the website part of it. And then, of course, there's you're taking the pictures at a at a smaller college like we're at um, in South Euclid, Ohio. Uh, you know, we're we're taking the pictures, we're taking media day photos, uh, headshots, all that stuff to put up on the website and social media. Um, and then with social media, you're making game day graphics, post game graphics, uh, kind of all of that stuff wrapped into one over the last few years, we've really, really got into, uh, broadcasting our games as well. Um, so we at least put a video stream out there for all of our games. Um, and so that's been, that's been a bit of a challenge, but we've, we've started to figure out the best way to do that. The best way to cover those games, uh, football and basketball. Usually we have broadcasters broadcasting those games. Uh, but for every event we have, we have the live stream, so we we have to hook all that stuff up with a camera and um, run it through to to be able to make that a good uh, good product uh, for everybody to be able to see who's not at the at the uh, stadium or gym. Um, so it it takes up a lot of time, that's for sure. <laughs> we're usually some of the first people in, uh, last people out for the most part, because we're um, we're setting everything up um, in terms of statistics and like I said, the live stream and broadcast, and, and then we're writing the post-game stories and all that
1: stuff as well. Interesting. A lot you just said there that you do. But also, I, I was reading a little bit of your biography on the um, NDC website, and it said you make social media digital content. Is that like in the form of hype videos, interviews with players, interest stories, etc.?
2: Yeah, we don't do as much uh, with like the hype videos that you'd see um, at some of the Division One schools. I know they come out with a lot of that, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, what we do is just try to put out uh, some game day graphics, take some, take some cool photos with the, the players and all that stuff uh, before the season starts. Um, so we have a lot of pictures for a lot of content um, in that kind of form. Um, but then, as well, like you said, we do do a lot of interviews uh, after the game. Um, with our our football team has been ranked for four years now, um, ranked nationally in Division two. So we have kind of like a, a press conference interview with them after games. Um, we have a table and a backdrop and all that stuff. Um, but we always try to try to get coaches um, and players, especially after wins, um, to give their thoughts so we we have some social media content and and people can get to know the the players a little bit better
0: and that's very interesting as luke and i are in a a club at our school that we do a lot of what you just talked about broadcasting social media graphics interviews with coaches and players so what does a typical day look like for you especially now that there's so many sports going on
2: oh yeah i mean uh, Mondays and Tuesdays are going to be the toughest, you know, especially in the fall. Uh, there's a lot to do with football. Uh, a lot of the the rankings come out early in the the week. Um, so if your team's doing really well, you got to look out for those when you know volleyball rankings, men's women's soccer rankings come out, the coaches polls, and all that stuff. Um, usually, you know, like I said, our football team has been ranked since 2018. So usually every Monday we're looking at a couple different polls, uh, that they're, they're probably going to be in and moving up and where they're at for this week and that week. And, uh, that's all on Monday, as well as kind of the players of the week, uh, the players of the week for the conferences. We're, we're submitting those, uh, as, as our SID departments, uh, throughout the conference. And then the conference picks players of the week and, uh, we'll write stories if we win any of those. Um, and that's, that's usually a monday uh you start football football notes and stuff like that you start um looking at two deeps for football uh the rosters for the other team looking at some notes uh for the upcoming saturday um and then the rest of the week really you're just kind of going from day to day uh based on when we have soccer games uh when you have to cover those when we have volleyball games and covering those um, so it's it's really nice because the hours are, are pretty flexible. You don't have to be there at a certain time in the morning. Um, so if we have a seven o'clock volleyball game or a four o'clock soccer game, we can come in a little bit later. Um, so we can, you know, obviously get some sleep, get some, get some time at, uh, at home and then, and then come in. Um, but yeah, Mondays, Tuesdays, really the busiest. Um, and then if you are able to get everything done, um, on schedule, uh, and then Wednesday, Thursday, kind of kind of slow down a little bit. Um, still pretty busy, especially if you have home games. Um, but then Friday, you're kind of getting getting ready for for football weekend. Uh, kind of do it all over again.
1: So uh, you said it was a bit of flexible hours, but it still seems like you are very very busy each day, especially if there's one sport one day and another sport the next day. But I, I, another thing I read when reading about you was that you did a bit of play-by-play for the men's and women's basketball teams at NDC. And could you take us through some of your top moments calling those games, maybe a little bit of your experience broadcasting with the Lake Erie Crushers minor league baseball team in the Frontier League? Like, just take us through, like, your play-by-play or broadcasting career.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's um, that was kind of the the original dream of mine was uh, to get into play by play broadcasting. And so uh, when I was when I was a junior in college, um, junior and senior, I was able to start doing some some basketball broadcasts. Um, and uh, my senior year was basically that there by myself uh, doing play by play for both men's and women's. Uh, at, at our level at D2, we have uh, both teams travel together. Um, so the men's and women's teams will play the same, you know, same school uh, at, at a double header um, on a Wednesday or Saturday. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun to get get my feet wet and just start broadcasting. Um, so we had some really, really fun moments uh, broadcasting those teams. I remember, calling a buzzer beater. <laughs> that, that was that was pretty awesome to to send the men's team into overtime one year. Um and it was it was a lot of fun just just kind of figuring out, uh getting behind the mic for the first time, figuring out what I want to say uh, you know, when I'm broadcasting. And it's all about repetition, you know, it's just it's just getting behind the mic and and learning a lot of different sports learning the, the ins and outs, seeing things happening so that you can call them, uh, for the first time is huge, uh, just to be able to kind of understand how you're going to call that, how fast you need to call things, um, as they're happening and, and the words, the verbiage you want to use. Um, but yeah, the, the men's women's basketball games are really fun. Uh, baseball was really the, the first time that I went out there and uh, worked every single day um, in in sports. The Lake Erie Crushers, they're an independent minor league team over in Avon, Ohio. Um, I interned there one summer, and then the next summer I was was paid a little bit and uh, part-time on that staff. Uh, I did travel a lot more with the team, which was really, really cool. Um, Baseball is a sport where you just – have to fill in the blanks a lot you know there's a lot of downtime so that was a whole different experience than doing play-by-play for basketball where everything happens so quick and basketball baseball you have to have so many notes available to you know talk about what this player's done for the last 10 days or you know you're, you're going to have that player come up three or four times at bat so you have to have enough to fill all that in and that was a fun challenge uh, when doing baseball and that they're just two totally different sports. And now I've done, I've done football at Notre Dame college and Notre Dame college football since 2017 as a color commentator. And that's a, that's a whole different ball game as well. Um, just filling in when the play by play guy stops talking for football, knowing the rules of football, knowing, uh, doing stats, knowing what's going to happen and how to call certain things. And, uh, when to you know when to talk when the play by play guy stops, um. So I, you know, that's that's been the dream to to broadcast games and and I've been really lucky enough uh, at Notre Dame and then with the Lake Erie Crushers to learn several different disciplines and several different sports uh, throughout the years here.
0: Yeah, that that's a lot, and baseball is a very hard sport to broadcast. What are the biggest challenges in broadcasting? What do you think
2: the biggest, I, I think, you know, kind of like I was saying where you're, you're starting out um, and you're, you're trying to learn just what to say, when to say it and, and how quickly you have to get through it. You know, it's just uh, a lot of people think it's so easy because they, you know, they'll, they'll listen to the broadcasters at the highest level and they've been doing it for years and they've seen just about everything uh on on the field so you know if you have you know obviously as long as your your broadcast is set up and everything's good to go there and you don't have any audio issues or anything that's always that's always a big problem and a big pain but um as long as your broadcast is going smoothly on that aspect of things then you know you just have to kind of worry about calling the game and it, it takes some time it takes time to learn how to how to see that play how to call that play and not to stumble over your words you know you want to be able to see multiple you know different plays multiple times so you can say this is what i'm going to say here this is what i want to say here and just kind of keeping it simpler uh so that it's easier to just get that out to the audience you know that's that's the biggest thing is just seeing it and just boom saying what's happening on the field so the audience can hear it they know what's kind of going on they can kind of if it's tv or radio they can kind of paint the picture uh and and understand what you're saying
1: and what were some ways you went about practicing developing that skill so that it became more sharp and you were able to do it more quickly
2: yeah it's it's difficult uh you know because nobody wants to get on the mic uh you know, and, and not, not know how to call something, you know, if you're on the radio or you're going live with something and, and it's an actual ball game, nobody wants to make the mistakes there, but that's, that's kind of part of the learning process. You know, you can, you can definitely record yourself broadcasting games uh, before you, before you jump into an internship or a job, obviously that's, that's a huge deal. Uh, just recording yourself on a simple tape recorder and playing it back and saying this is where I can improve this is what I can do better but yeah sometimes it just kind of comes there there's there's going to be some growing pains and um, you know you can you can kind of work on how you're going to how you're going to talk how you're going to go throughout the game and this is you know this is a home run this is my home run call this is you know the base hit to left field or base hit right field. That's, that's a pretty easy one. But if there's a, there's a bunt down the third baseline and, you know, a guy throws it over the first baseman's head and he scores, the runner scores from first base, there's going to be a lot of tongue twisters that it just kind of come with, with uh, experience and, and just learning how to, learning how to put that into words and sometimes you're just not going to see it uh, when you're practicing. You've got to, you're, you're just going to have to go through it um, when you're, you're on the broadcast for the first time. And any broadcaster will tell you that those kind of things happen when no matter what sport you're broadcasting and you're going to see some things for the first time that you're just going to have to kind of roll with.
0: And that's great advice for Luke and I, but when when did you know that you wanted to pursue a college education and career in the sports industry? And why did you pursue this career?
2: Oh, well, really? When I was, yeah, I was, it was, it was about middle school. I was probably fourth or fifth grade. Um I wanted to, wanted to get behind the mic. I thought that would be a, a great, a great profession Um just to, to be able to sit courtside. And I was always enamored by, you know, when they, they would show the broadcasters at basketball games. They'd be sitting right there, court side, the players would be running up right next to them. Um, And I thought that would be an awesome thing. So, you know, I started just kind of watching, watching games, broadcasting in my head, uh, kind of pulling out the tape recorder and uh, you know, putting like as simple as a a video game on simulation and just kind of, (laughs) just sitting there at my computer and, and just uh, recording myself uh, broadcasting the games um, so that was something that that struck me as as, a, as an avenue to go down and then going to a, a smaller uh, college like Notre Dame College is I was able to get in touch with our uh, our sports information director at the time who had, done several years of minor league baseball and football and he kind of took me under his wing and that's why I announced with it the Lake Erie Crushers and um, so I, I didn't do a whole lot in high school I wish I would have done more uh, or try to jump into more opportunities but once I got to college I was you know pedal to the metal trying to trying to get into the the industry one way or the other and then it just so happened that a uh, spot opened up at Notre Dame college after I graduated where I was able to broadcast uh, all of our football games and broadcast some soccer games, some basketball games here and there. And it, it just kind of all, all fell into place. Um, like I said, it went to a, a small Notre Dame college where there aren't a lot of kids trying to break into that field. Uh, So I had all the opportunities to get behind the mic, whether it was play by play or even public address announcing um, at the field or in the gym, you're just going to, whatever you can do to get behind the mic and lose that fear of, uh, you know, speaking in front of people.
1: And some of the ways that you were describing how you went about practicing or say when you were first starting out whether that was putting on a game and just recording it in your head or doing actually recording your voice I've heard a number of different ways but that that way that you said where you put a game back on and then you kind of put it and then you kind of um, record yourself doing it I think my opinion I think Zach can also say it. it helps a lot and with that I mean we'd like to close with one final question if you could give some advice for that up and coming generation like Zach and I of people who want to pursue some, a career in sports, such as sports broadcasting, what would that advice be?
2: Yeah, just, just never give up. And I mean, there's, there are guys who, you know, if you're, you're looking to get into baseball, there are guys who will spend years and years in minor league baseball uh, and, and looking to get up to the majors it's just like anything else, you know, just like players trying to climb their way up the ladder uh, to get to the, the top in, in Major League Baseball. You got to go through the minors. Uh, but it's just like that in any sport. I mean, you just you want to you want to find ways to make yourself stand out, um, especially in broadcasting. You know, there are so many people who want to get into broadcasting. So the more repetitions that you can get, uh, you know, the the connections that you can make with people around you you know those people it, it's all connected so people around you people who uh at, at the uh the college that you're going to they're going to have connections across the country and you're going to want to get as many as many contacts not just locally uh but nationally as well uh and just just keep up and keep you know make sure you're in those people's ears making sure they know your name um and then it's just repetition, just just making sure that you're the, the best play by play announcer that you can be um, and getting behind the mic, doing a lot of pre and post game stuff. That's a whole different, uh, you know, set of skills as well to learn how to how to guide a, a show um, when you're you're trying to go back, look at the stats, try to recap the game. That's it's a different skill than just doing play by play. And if you can uh, just learn all those different aspects of broadcasting, not just getting behind the mic as the game starts and then getting off the mic when it's over, if you can learn kind of every single aspect of it, I think that sets you up so that you can be really, really flexible so you can get jump into a pregame, postgame show. And then you have that skill to say, "Oh, this guy, you know, can't can't make it today, or we need somebody to step into the play-by-play role. You can step in there, and you know, it's just like anything else. the 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 better you get at something, um, the better you get, get at something. And and when you know how to do everything, um, you really, really set yourself up uh, to be really successful because there's really any there's nothing that you can't do um once you learn all of those skills um so just definitely don't get discouraged there's a lot there, you got you know a long way to go and, and there's uh, you know there's going to be some great games that you call there's going to be some bad games but never get too low on you know, never get too down on yourself uh you, you'll be fine you'll be able to bounce back uh, and if you have a passion for this then you know the sky's the limit because you're going to work as hard as you need to um, to get to where you want to get to uh, when you have that passion.
0: And with that, we'd like to say thank you, Jake, for spending your time with us talking about what you do at Notre Dame in Ohio and kind of what that's all about.
1: And you gave a lot of valuable information. Um, you gave a lot of valuable information.
2: So I appreciate talking to you guys, Zach and Luca. I mean, you guys, you guys are the, uh, the up and comers, man. So it's, it's always fun to talk to people, uh, who have kind of the same passion for, for, uh, working in athletics and, and especially broadcasting. It's, it's really cool, uh, to, to listen to you guys and, and your passion. And I'm, I'm so glad that I was able to jump on this podcast with you guys. And, uh, and give you some some time and and hopefully some decent advice.
1: And now let's move it over to something new that we're trying out. This episode is an argument-based segment, and it's going to be on the Ravens versus Bengals matchup Sunday night. Let's start out with Zach. I want to hear who you think is going to win.
0: Well, first off, I want to say that we'll be at this game, which I'm very grateful to be going to, and Nelly, the rapper, will be performing at halftime, so something fun there. But what I'm really looking forward to in this game is Joe Mixon. The Bengals need to get him going. It will open up the offense so much more, where you can get the Ravens out of bracket coverage and more into kind of a a one-safety look with either Marcus Williams or Kyle Hamilton, But the Bengals' defense so far has been amazing. One touchdown in the last 31 drives, I think, allowed, and zero touchdowns allowed by the cornerbacks. So what are you looking from in this Ravens' defense?
1: They have to keep up—well, not keep up. They have to turn around their rush defense from last week. Last week, they allowed Devin Singletary to run all over their defense, and that is not an elite running back like Joe Mixon. So, those linebackers are going to have to be on their toes and be ready to play because Joe Mixon is a bigger, stronger, faster guy than Devin Singletary. He can, and the Bengals' line has bred together really well over the last few weeks. So, getting Joe Mixon going will already cause problems for the Ravens, especially since their pass defense has been absolutely middle of the pack to bottom of the pack this year, starting off like they ended last year.
0: Well, I have to argue there argue with you there. They've been the worst pass defence in the NFL right now. They have pass yards allowed. They have three three fifteen point three. The second closest is the Dolphins at two ninety nine point three. And then you look at the Bengals, who haven't played, you know, the best pass defense, but they did go up against Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle that last week. They're at two forty one point eight. So when you look at that and you think, well, you know, strength of opponents played the Ravens gave up so many yards to, you know, like Joe, Corey Davis and just players that aren't that good, and think about the Ravens' defense is they can have good weeks, and they cause a lot of turnovers as in turnover margin, they're second right now in plus five, only behind the Eagles at plus eight, and the Eagles are just on another level right now, but The Ravens are going to need to cause some turnovers because in the last three weeks, the Bengals have only caused turnovers. They haven't turned over once.
1: And they will, though. I'll tell you now, the Ravens will get one to two turnovers in this game. It's just they have those players as Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Marcus Williams as well. Marcus Peters' questionable quad injury. Let's hope he plays. Braden Stevens has been incredible uh, as a cornerback three for the Ravens this year. Kyle Hamilton, one of the highest PFF grades among rookies so far. So I, I'm I'm a big believer that this this Ravens t- defense will get two turnovers in this game on Sunday night. It's going to have
0: to come early for the Ravens because if the Ravens defense allows the Bengals to get up 10, 14 points, it's it's going to be very challenging for the Ravens to get back in the game because when you look at the Bengals offense with the three-headed monster they have, and you could add in Hayden Hurst because he doing, he's doing pretty well right now. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. If you double any one of them, and last week the Dolphins at one point had four people guarding Jamar Chase in one play, T. Higgins will just burn you. He, T. Higgins is playing on another level right now. First in PFF, and when targeted in single coverage, you look at last year in Week Seven when Lamar was healthy, Lamar was playing, most most of your team was healthy besides the players that went out. Before the year started. Marlon Humphrey was playing. And the Bengals just tore the Ravens up. 201 yards for Jamar Chase. I know you remember that. I talk about that a lot. But it's just the Ravens defensive wise versus the Bengals match up well. It's just they don't play as good. Because the Ravens cornerbacks that they have are some of the best in the league. But when they line up versus these receivers, they just don't play like they, they should on paper.
1: You have to remember, last year, before the season started, we saw Marcus Peters go down, their cornerback too. So Marcus Peters, T. Higgins, is already lining up against a better cornerback than he saw last year. There's no doubt about that. We also saw J.K. Dobbins, Justice Hill, and Gus Edwards all go down before the season. J.K. Dobbins is healthy. Gus Edwards is now healthy. This Ravens team is is a lot different than what that Bengals team saw last year and absolutely tore up.
0: And I understand that, and that's definitely a big factor of why they got blown out by so much last year. We put 82 points combined on them. But the you can't excuse the fact that Marlon Humphrey did play, and he went up against Jamar I'm Chase. Not.
1: i, I did not. I didn't even mention him there. I mentioned Marcus Peters and T. Higgins because I think Martin Humphrey this year is playing so far really well. There is no argument to be said there. He's playing like a top 5 cornerback in the league right now. He has a very tough matchup in Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is one of the best receivers in this league. There's no argument there either. But when when Marcus Peters plays, it's it's going and if he plays well, he can get interceptions and he has the ability to Play and line up against players such as T. Higgins.
0: But T. Higgins isn't the player that you just look at, just all, you know, a regular wide receiver too. Oh, no, he's not. Because T. Higgins, I, I know you can agree to this, probably a little over half the teams in the league, T. Higgins would be the wide receiver one. So they're, they, like you were talking about before we recorded, they might need a double T. Higgins, and so, and so is Jamar Chase. But then you have another problem in Tyler Boyd, who has, I think, around 200 yards. I know he has two touchdowns. But it's just the matchups with the Ravens' defense line up well, but when it all plays out, the Bengals just... The players, the offensive strength of the Bengals is too much for the Ravens.
1: But Lamar Jackson is playing at the MVP level right now. Last week, worst game of his of his year, and he almost, almost beat out a Buffalo Bills team that's Super Bowl favorites. But he's going to have to do it without Rashad Bateman. And without Bateman, that moves Devin DuVernay into that wide receiver one, Yes? We have Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is playing as a wide receiver one in this offense. But that means Duvernay moves up to wide receiver one. And I guess James Prochet moves up to the wide receiver two. I mean, they they got Andy Isabella onto their practice squad. Maybe they bring him up for the game. But that means that our wide receiver room is incredibly thin. And that means if Mark Andrews gets locked up, and they ha- he has a strong matchup with the linebacker room of the Bengals. I mean, Logan Wilson is an incredible linebacker, but he has to play an amazing game, and they have to establish that run game.
0: And I like what you brought about the run game, because the Ravens' third down this year has been very bad. It's not... I don't, I don't think it's up to the league average yet, but when you look at Lamar Jackson, he's playing amazing right now, but Some of the stuff that holds him back is the coaching. Look at last week and the final drive. Analytically, it would tell you to go for it on fourth down, but John Harbaugh has been making some questionable decisions. And last year, we can both agree they fired the wrong coordinator. Wink Martindale should have stayed. Greg Roman, I don't know how, he still has a job. Yeah, Lamar Jackson's playing great, but that's most of just Lamar Jackson's skill. It just doesn't line up for me how... The Spangles' defense will allow Devin Duvernay and James Perche to
1: just run loose. And, and that's why the run game is, is going to have to be near perfect tomorrow. But I, I'm Lamar Jackson's going to have to play at an MVP-level game tomorrow because the offensive line isn't incredible. Yes, J.K. Dobbins, I mean, last week you saw his first game back and he had two touchdowns and was running the ball really well. But this offensive line is just, unless Ronnie Stanley plays, which he's questionable, they've taken a huge hit at that left tackle position. With the Bengals' pass rush that ate the Ravens' O-line alive last year, it, it's not going to be a good matchup for the Ravens. And one final thought. Look, uh, Give me three
0: X-Factors that aren't the best players in the Ravens that you think have to really step up in order to make
1: this game a win for the Ravens. All right, first, Adafio away. He's going to have—yes, he gets a lot of QB pressures. He has to get to the quarterback and get the sacks. Pass rush has been lacking incredibly this year. Two, Kyle Hamilton is going to have to be on the same page with all of his DBs. We saw in that Dolphins game, he and a couple other DBs weren't on the same page. Tyreek Hill runs loose for two long touchdowns. And the third one is going to be incorporating Gus Edwards into the run game, if he plays. All right, my three is he's maybe one of the more prominent players on the defense, but I got Von
0: Bell. He had a great game last week, two interceptions, I think I think two or three pass breakups. Don't quote me on that, but he's just playing great. He's playing a little better than Jesse Bates right now, and Jesse Bates also needs to step up. For number two, I have Sam Hubbard. When he has a big game, this Bengals D-line just is amazing. Because Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard coming off the edge, you only can really double-team one. So when Sam Hubbard doesn't get all the sacks, the pressures he creates, like a over, like you said, just really help the Bengals overall. And then finally is, you might not know, Trey Flowers. He came onto the Bengals late last season. Played primarily at linebacker, um, guarding tight ends. He played great versus Darren Waller in the playoffs, great versus Travis Kelsey, great versus, I think it was Tyler Higbee, whoever played tight end for the Rams in the Super Bowl. But he is going to have to have a lot of matchups versus Mark Andrews, and Mark Andrews is one of the best tight ends in the league, if not the best. So that's going to be a very favorable matchup for the Ravens that they need to take advantage of.
1: But one final thing, score prediction. I think that the Ravens are going to win 27-24. to 24.
0: I think it's going to be Bengals 31-26.
1: So we both think it's going to be within a score. Yeah, within a score. And with that, we'll just leave you with your uh, thoughts on the game. And it's been Luca DeLasta and
0: Zachary Thank you for listening and Who Day.